What is up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Lecture Hall, brought to you by Student Union Sports. It's your boys, it's Big Hoppa, it is Shooter, it is the second day of election day. It's been a wild couple days here, not only from our travels in the world to our goings-on in our personal life, so Shooter... Let's dive into some sports. Hit me with that syllabus. Are you sure there's anything going on right now? I don't think there's any like pressing, uh, pressing news matters at all in the country. I think everything's just been pre- pretty low key, right? Yeah, pretty low key, like your road trip. Yeah, low key. What's up, guys? Classes in session. Since we last talked to you guys, the Dodgers did end up winning that game, um, despite. The complaints of some analytics guys, the failures of some other analytics guys, whole little scandal there, the Kevin Cash scandal. Uh, but yeah. the Dodgers did win the World Series, as Hoppe said. Um, this is night two of election night. I think this is the first ever two-night election special. <laughs> oh, and- yeah, probably probably in like the, the era of the two, uh, probably since the era of the 24-hour news cycle or at least since 2000 when we didn't have a president until like december 12th or whatever it was yeah and uh the year of the hanging chad in florida how i met your mother reference love it it's probably gonna last another night or two so uh buckle in folks put on those bootstraps and let's get going uh, there's not a whole lot going on in the sports world i mean the purdue boilermakers are 2-0 and and sitting atop the big 10 west um Shout out Wisconsin for helping us helping us with that one. We're gonna win the West and not have to play Wisconsin. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Somebody's not very happy. Um, yeah, college football kind of going as expected. Uh, even without Tre- Trevor Lawrence, Clemson was able to sneak past Boston College. Big one this week against Notre Dame. Uh, Oklahoma State took a fat L to texas which really hurts the big 12 uh, and their chances at getting into the playoff other than that i guess michigan losing to michigan state uh maryland sinking the boat all the relevant big uh big college football headlines yeah what was that hoppa so that was a great game i was i very much enjoyed that game (laughs) i might talk about a little bit about that later so we'll we'll hold on to that yeah who would have thought Maryland and Michigan State, the two teams that looked like they were the new Rutgers in the Big Ten, they heard us say that, and they said, no, no, no. We're going to go knock off one of the better offenses in the conference in Maryland and then the team that's just always highly ranked for some reason in Michigan. (laughs) Yeah. That's really all we've got for the syllabus. Not a whole lot going on. You know, there's kind of the big election thing taking up all the news coverage right now. No one wants to talk sports, but here we are. Papa, hit me with that Gibbs read. All right, everybody. No matter what side of the aisle you're on this election season, you can always get a win with Gibbs Grooming. GibbsGrooming.com. G-I-B-S-G-R-O-O-M-I-N-G.com. GibbsGrooming.com is where you can go use the code HALL15H-A-L-L-1-5-R. HALL15 to get 15% off of anything you choose. Anything from the three-in-one beard, hair, and body wash, the biofuel conditioner, the wash buckler soap bar, any one of the beard oils, any one of the pomades, whatever you need for your men's grooming need for that special man in your life, 
for your dad, whatever you need. So this holiday season, you can rely on GibbsGrooming.com. You can rely on the code HALL15, H-A-L-L-1-5, HALL15 for 15% off at GibbsGrooming.com. All right, this week we're taking a little breather from the college football overview, and we're going to dive into some of our favorite Heisman candidates. Uh, mine might be a little more abstract than Hoppa's. Uh, I tend to prefer to not go the quarterback route because that seems to be the most obvious. But uh, Hoppa, who are you leading off with? Number one on your Heisman big board. Number one on the Heisman board for me this year is somebody – you might not necessarily be thinking of. He's kind of got a lot of hype, though. Zach Wilson, quarterback at BYU. So uh, BYU is playing well through seven games. He's completing 74% of his passes, 2,100 yards, 19 touchdowns, and only two interceptions on the year. They're playing very well, and uh, they're led by him as well. Uh, Mac Jones, quarterback, Alabama. You can put him in the conversation uh, as well with, you know, and he's as good as, you know, AJ McCarron as, as any of those other guys that uh, they've had in the past who put up insane numbers. Uh, Jones through six games this far, 78%, 2,100 yards as well, uh, closer to 2,200, 16 touchdowns and only two interceptions. And now you're wondering, what about number three, Hoppa? And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna avert your attention from the quarterback position over to I the swear. running back position. Oh, I swear, Hoppa, I swear. Staying with Alabama, yeah. running back Najee Harris, 714 yards through six games. That's 5.8 a pop. Not the biggest average, but 14 scores already. Another in a long line of great Alabama running backs. Not as great as the line of Wisconsin running backs, if I do say so myself. That being said, those are my three biggest. I think, guys, you can make the biggest uh, uh, legitimate case for. I know you're probably – I don't know. You sound like kind of upset, like I maybe took something from you, uh, like candy from a baby. But what? who, who are your three guys? Yeah, I'm just going to have to lead off with him now because you kind of also led off with him. I also have Wilson as my favorite here, not your – Typical Heisman quarterback saying that he doesn't play for a Power 5 school, but there's something in the water out in Utah. What is it with these? The Utah, uh, BYU, that's in Utah, right? Not a huge geography guy. And then Utah yeah. State last year with Jacob Love. Just two electrifying college quarterbacks, I should say. Uh, but yeah, Will, Zach Wilson, 19 touchdowns. Um, oh, Harrison, you can't fucking read. Editing. 19 touchdowns this season with only two interceptions. Last year he had a combined 20 um, if you put his touchdowns and interceptions together, which is a stat that I don't think anyone measures, but I just invented. 20 combined, he's already at 21 this year, and only two of those are interceptions. Use that stat as you will. What an idiot! Oh, what a loser! The Sillings Statistic Company. Yeah, that's how I measure quarterbacks. You take their touchdowns, you combine them with their picks, and it gives you a number. One of the best analytical minds of our generation is currently talking about <laughs> stats as we speak. And that's why I love Not James me. Winston so much. You get the 60. That's a tough number to beat. Hey, 
he has the career record for single season sillings. Uh, the sillings is the sillings statistic. I don't know. We'll we'll have it's to workshop that name. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He has the NFL single season record of sillings. That yeah, that works. I think that plays of touchdowns and interceptions combined. That's the sillings. That's us sillings. We'll get that trademark going. <laughs> I clearly can't talk quarterbacks. That's why I typically stay away from them. My favorite Heisman candidate right now <laughs> is a guy I got to see him play in person this weekend. Oh, and it's not Christ. Brock Purdy. It's not Brocktober. It's wow. Iowa State running back Brees Hall. Thank you. That's very important that you said that. In the 2020 season, he has 134 rushing attempts for 901 yards and 11 touchdowns with a 6.7 yards per carry. And you might say, Harrison, didn't you watch him play Kansas this weekend? Of course he's going to look good. Yes, I did watch him play Kansas. Um, He ran for 185 yards, 8.8 yards per carry, two touchdowns. Um, but listen to his other stat lines this season. Against Oklahoma State, 20 attempts, 185, one touchdown. Texas Tech, 27 attempts, 135 yards, two touchdowns. 139 against Oklahoma, two touchdowns. 154 against TCU, three touchdowns. He's had at least one touchdown in every game, and only one of those games was one touchdown. He's had multiple touchdowns in four games. He's had over 135 rushing yards in every game he's played, and he's getting... His least amount of touches was in that opener against TCU at 18, and every other game he's had over 20. The dude's an absolute workhorse behind an offensive line that is very Big 12-esque. And when you have defenses keying on Brocktober, because why wouldn't they? It really just opens up the field for Brees Hall. He looked like an absolute unit against Kansas, and I had never even heard of the guy until then. And now I can't stop talking about him. I mean, if this dude doesn't end up in the Heisman Final Four or whatever they do, it's an absolute shame. Yeah, I want to talk about, so we talked about the two most likely positions in quarterback and running back, but I want to show some love uh, to the wide receiver position this year because there are some dudes putting up some numbers as well. Right up my alley. Uh, So Elijah Moore, (laughs) absolutely. Elijah Moore, uh, uh, receiver out of Ole Miss, is like the opposite of DK Metcalf and the fact that he's 5'9", 185. Um, but he is awesome. He's coming off a great game so far. <laughs> so this is his this is his junior year. His sophomore season last season, in 12 games, he put up 67 catches, 850 yards, and six touchdowns. Through six games this season, he's got 61 catches, 829 yards, and six touchdowns. So he's essentially had uh, the same season <laughs> as he did last year in literally half the time. His- his game against uh, Vanderbilt last week was 14 catches for 238 yards and three scores. Uh, every game except for uh, a game, the game against Auburn, which was two weeks ago, he's had at least 10 catches. That includes 11 catches for 143 against Alabama. That uh, obviously was a shootout loss. And that was his second 220-yard game in the first game against Florida of the season, 10 catches for 227. So, uh, Elijah Moore uh, is a guy that I want to show a lot of love to. Devonta Smith as well, like Alabama receivers. Is just, I mean, Alabama anything is good. But Smith, uh, third in the country uh, in yards. He's got 56 catches for 759 and eight touchdowns. Uh, then we, I mean, 
this some of these numbers are just insane when you look at like the top 15 guys uh so far i mean when you go down at you know you have and then you have jalen waddle at 11 another alabama receiver broke his foot two weeks ago he's got 25 catches for 557 and four touchdowns the kid's a burner there's some really good receivers tylen wallace shout out our boy karsten uh tylen wallace out of oklahoma state then you have like amari rogers at clemson uh yeah th- there's this class or at least this year for uh receivers is insane there are some real dudes and i just wanted to show them some love yeah and i think uh, this year oh uh, with my final pick i think you're also you're missing one more receiver there the king actually the prince of the first down because the king of the first down hasn't played a snap this year david you to make, oh my god david bell Purdue sophomore receiver yes the big tens only played two games in these two games, he's had 22 receptions for 243 yards and four touchdowns. Not bad. He's already had a quarter of his total yards from last season where he played 12 games, and he's at a quarter of his uh, receiving yards or a third of his receiving or his receptions from last season. So, yeah, do with that information as you will. He had seven touchdowns last year as a freshman. He's already got four this year. He was Big Ten uh, freshman of the year last year, and... He's looking like a standout uh, wide receiver on the national scale so far this year. It's going to be interesting to see what he can do uh, with Purdue's next five games because they're getting robbed of one because of some stooges up north. <laughs> but uh, it's definitely going to be... I refuse to comment. be interesting to see what he can do, especially if they can add Rondell Moore back to their receiver mix uh, and see how those two play off each other if he can still put up these kind of numbers. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if less is more. Um, I do. I I, I want to talk a little bit about that Minnesota Maryland game, <laughs> if, because those two teams, what jokes! I just I couldn't believe that game. Honestly, I'm not even gonna. I don't even want to talk about it. I, I lied. I don't want to talk about it. I just got so bothered by the fact that people were like, oh, "Here's Tua's little brother." Look at him. He's so good. And they played a terrible, like terrible defense, like one of the worst in college football this season that lost uh, guys like Antoine Winfield Jr. Uh, in the secondary, who's playing lights out as, as a rookie uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They've given up 94 points right now. They're giving up 47 points per game. That's good for 102nd of 103 teams to have played a game so far this season. Minnesota is not good. And, the, oh, that and then like Tanner Morgan has looked not great uh, in two games. He's got he's uh, 60% completion percentage, not even 400 yards, two touchdowns and one interception. Uh, this team just isn't what it is. They've put everything on the back of uh, Muhammad Ibrahim. 67 carries, 347 yards. It's for good enough for 5.2 a pop and six touchdowns. PJ Flex got to figure it out, man. I mean, you can't him and Scott Frost uh, for all the hype. You got to start winning some games here, uh, if I do say so myself. And then on the other side of the ball, uh, obviously I've had my hot takes about Tua uh, for the last couple weeks, and we'll get into that once we talk NFL. But then his little brother goes out there like, look at all, you know, this game he just had on the big stage under the lights, all this, that, and, and the other after he transfers from Alabama. Um, and he goes out, uh, he, he goes out, has a great, it, it was a great performance. I'm not going to lie there. That that's 
I would be an idiot to say he didn't play well in that game against Minnesota, but he came off a game against Northwestern where we talked about, it was like what 43 to three and he was 14 of 25. So 56%, 94 yards, three interceptions. So it's like, I mean, let, let's add a little context here, people. That that game, I just watched it, and I just like couldn't believe what I was watching. But um, that was last week. I don't have a game to watch this week. Either do you. But Yeah, I get to relax and watch college football for once because I didn't get to do much watching of it this past weekend other than the Iowa State-Kansas game. And yeah, all I got to watch is Brees Hall run all over those Jayhawks. It was low-key disturbing. Yeah, uh, Hall is very good. Him, uh, and he's coming off of the heels of uh, Montgomery, uh, who's a stud as well. So Iowa State kind of with these low-key... RBU? uh, No, stop it. (laughs) There's there's like RBU is like four hours away in Wisconsin, so... Okay. Let's pump the brakes there. (laughs) All right. That's enough. College football talk. Get into what you're all here for our week eight, week whatever in the NFL. Nine. Week nine. It's week nine. Holy cow. Yeah. Biggest winners, losers, and takeaways. Hoppa, who is your week nine? Can we confirm week nine? Week yes, nine. Confirmed. Biggest winner. It's me. I'm Explain. my biggest winner. One week. I'm going to ride this as long as I can. We're one week in to Tua's tenure in Miami. What a what a start to the career uh, with a game where he is led entirely by his defense to a victory over a Rams team that turned the ball over four times. Tua goes 12 of 22 for 93 yards. He did have a touchdown. It was a nice touchdown. It was a nice catch from Devontae Parker. I'll give him that. The leading receiver for Miami had two catches for 16 yards. So uh, helped out a lot by uh, a 78-yard fumble return, which ironically was returned by Badger Andrew Van Ginkle, former Badger, uh, and then an 88-yard pun return. Uh, and then there was another turnover that set up a Miles Gaskin one-yard run. So, look, I'm not – it's early. It's early in the tenure, but I'm gonna ride, ride being right about Tua for as long as I can. Who's your biggest win, uh, winner from last week? It's it's one game, and he got a victory over a top five defense in the NFL. I think you need to. Pump he got the a victory. Uh, he 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 the, was a his, his own defense and special teams literally scored more touchdowns than the offense did. He so. was a starting quarterback. He didn't turn the ball over. He got the job done. That's not true. He got sacked, fumbled by Aaron Donald on the first play of his tenure. That doesn't show up on the ESPN box score. Well, (laughs) maybe he should do a little bit more research. Sorry, I wasn't alive on Sunday. My biggest winner is the New York Jets. And no, it's not because they won, because they did not. It's one of the few things I got to see from this NFL Sunday was this Chiefs game because I was watching it with a bunch of Chiefs fans in Kansas City. The Jets are my biggest winner because they keep finding ways to lose and all their competition for Trevor Lawrence somehow, somehow finds ways to win. The Falcons beat the Panthers on Thursday night. The Minnesota Vikings and all of their Minnesota Mitchness somehow 
somehow get a win over the the five and one at the time Green Bay Packers moving on. It, it was a botched interference two. call that really cost the game, but well, you know, I don't have to talk about it. I mean, the Dolphins have been winning uh, behind Fitzmagic and now Tua Tunga. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> They're only <laughs> say it with your chest. Be confident. If you would have, if you would have just kept going, nobody would have even had an issue with the like that. Their their only competition really still remains in the NFC East, and I think that entire division is still in in play for Trevor Lawrence at this point with the Giants, the Eagles, the football team, and the Cowboys. And the Cowboys looking more and more like players every single week, unless they can figure out that third string quarterback position. Yeah. So my which big- is such bullshit. Can we talk about that for a second? The Cowboys, because they've been decimated by injuries, are going to get probably a top 10 pick to a team that was already a Super Bowl favorite, that if it's healthy with Dak with an actual offensive line that didn't just have to get signed off of college teams from homeless people off the street of Dallas and a defensive line that they all found at a soup kitchen, like – <laughs> like if they were able to <laughs> if they were able to put together like the actual roster that they should have then you know it would be this team would be uh, probably 6 and 2 uh in all in all reality even with McCarthy's idiocy um so it it's just going to be Dallas is going to be really unfair next year yeah, but and- that's not this year so we can make fun of them for now yeah hopefully they can use that high pick to draft a top caliber offensive lineman because lord knows they need it maybe some help on the d-line if jerry stops being a stooge they might have to go the quarterback route it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out for dallas i feel like if you could pay your franchise quarterback you could really bolster up that offensive line with an opportunity like this but jerry's gonna jerry and the cowboys are gonna cowboys and we'll see what happens hop up week Eight. I'm still week nine. ESPN told me it was week eight. I'm not week convinced. Eight was last week. Who is your biggest loser? My biggest loser last week is the Baltimore Ravens. The book is out. Let it be known how you beat a seemingly unbeatable Ravens offense and a very good defense as you make Lamar Jackson throw the ball. Who would have thought a kid who can only complete 58% of his passes in, in a bad college football conference hasn't really done anything with his accuracy in the NFL. Weird how that works. Um, I've been very outspoken on Lamar's ability, um, at least in my friend groups and that kind of stuff. Uh, at the end of the day, we've seen the running quarterback doesn't really work. Uh, in the NFL, um, we've yet to find one really stick for a long enough amount of time for it to seem useful. Um, that's not to say, I mean, Lamar obviously has plenty of time. He's 23 years old. He'll turn 24 a couple days before uh, I'll turn 22. But um, the, I think, I mean, the book is out. Uh, it, for the Ravens, I mean, they did what they do. They ran the ball 47 times for 265 yards at uh, 5.6 uh, yards a carry. But at the end of the day, Lamar was 13 of 28, so under 50%. He did have 208 yards, which is very surprising. Two touchdowns, two interceptions. That defense, uh, you know, fumbled three times and lost two of them. So matched up against a good defense. 
uh, and a good enough offense, this team is going to struggle. Uh, and you know, like they're going to have a high, they're going to have a high um, seed come come playoff time. But if they play anybody for real, uh, you know, if it's the second round, whenever whenever their playoff game against a, a legitimately good defense is, they're gonna they're gonna really struggle. Uh, coming up for the Ravens is is not a great uh, next couple weeks either. Uh, they go to Indianapolis this weekend. Uh, they go they I'll do in go attendance. To... Awesome! Look at that, Big J, our resident Big J on lecture hall. Maybe maybe hopefully he can make it back by Monday. <laughs> the, the, they go to Foxborough uh, the week after that. Then they're home against the Titans, who we don't know what the Titans are really. Uh, but then they go to Pittsburgh after that on a Thursday night. Uh, so that's going to be a pretty grueling four-game stretch. Then they're home Cowboys. They're in Cleveland uh, and finish with the Jags, Giants, and Bengals. So they're going to get confident going uh, into the playoffs. But uh, let's hope it's not overconfidence for their sake. Uh, but, yeah, I spent way too long telling you guys why Lamar Jackson isn't the real deal. But I, f- I feel like at this point it's just way too obvious. Yeah, and you also spent the last week on the locker room app chatting it up with some Ravens fans, explaining to Ravens fans why they're Shout not out our boy good. Daniel. Yeah, shout out. Shout out Squeaky shout Boys out. Daniel. <laughs> shout out. <laughs> Daniel's my boy. Jeez. Who's your biggest who's your biggest loser from week eight? My biggest loser week eight is us the fans. Because if you didn't know, I believe it was was it yesterday or was it Monday was the trade deadline? Yesterday. Yesterday. And we were promised it would be the most exciting, action packed trade deadline that we've ever seen. A tra- MLB a, an NFL trade deadline that would mimic an MLB trade deadline, something you just never see out of the NFL. And we got almost nothing in terms of big-time moves. You thought the Bears might go out and grab a wide receiver. You thought the Packers might go out and grab a receiver. You thought the Patriots would trade Stephon Gilmore. You thought the Saints would trade Michael Thomas. You thought the Colts might make a play at Matt Ryan or Matt Stafford. They might bring in a receiver. They might bring in Ryan Kerrigan, you know, a Pro Bowl defensive tackle for the Washington Football Club who had requested a trade. You thought all these big-time stars, these big-time teams in playoff positions were going to make a move, and they didn't do a single thing. Almost everyone is where they were a week ago at this point, in terms of big names anyways. Maybe, what is it, Carlos Dunlop in Cincinnati got moved, and that's because he was becoming locker room cancer. Yeah, Not a whole lot happened, and it was kind of disappointing. I thought the Colts might make five trades. I thought the, I thought the Cowboys were going to be players for about four different quarterbacks. Jameis Winston's still backing up Drew Brees. Jacoby Brissett's still backing up Phillip Rivers. All these capable quarterbacks for a Cowboys team that is in a position where they can win. And they didn't do anything. Nope. Not I, a single thing. I feel like they I've brought in Cooper to... Rush. Okay. Yeah. That's going to be their Super Bowl move. <laughs> we didn't get anything. I feel like I was lied to. I feel like I've been cheated. I just don't know what to think. Yeah. 
Uh, you're. I think you're totally validated. It was almost more entertaining watching the people who thought they were going to get traded go out on Twitter and tweet about not getting traded. Dakaris uh, Falcons. Dakaris McKinley, however you pronounce it, I probably just butchered it. Uh, even Will Fuller tweeted a, the gif of the little kid like tapping his face, uh, like he was kind of impatient. It was. It was arguably more entertaining than the actual. Um, than the actual trade deadline itself. Uh, I think I think some hesitation comes into play with um, the amount of COVID cases that they, the NFL has had, um, especially because they then had had a couple. Uh, as you mentioned, Matt Stafford, he was put on the COVID list uh, this afternoon, so he has it a second time, uh, or maybe doesn't. Maybe it's the first time they kind of had like an issue with um, his being like a false positive, all this, that, and the other, but – yeah, and then we have the Packers, who seem to have somewhat of an outbreak, at least in the running back room. Uh, and then Kendrick Bourne, oh, receiver. figure a football team in Wisconsin having COVID problems. Yeah, I hate you. Uh, but Kendrick Bourne, wide receiver for the 49ers, that was a little too harsh. That I didn't say. I didn't put enough joking in that tone, which maybe is a little telling. But uh, Kendrick Bourne, receiver for the 49ers, he uh, was put on the COVID list. Somehow they decided they're still going to play this game tomorrow, which, hey, more power, poor power to you. But the 49ers, uh, there was a tweet I saw today. Nobody on offense that touched the ball for the 49ers from the NFC Championship game will play tomorrow. Not Jimmy Garoppolo, not Greg Kittle, not uh, or George Kittle, not Greg Kittle. I hate that I just said that, but George Kittle, uh, not uh, Raheem <laughs> Mostert. None of these people are going to touch the ball for San Francisco, which is insane. But it bodes well for my fantasy team that is in shambles, even though our league has be is being boycotted. Seeing reset that I had Raheem Mostert, and I now have Jamichael, whatever his name is, Jamichael Hasty, Hasty as my RB2. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the 49ers have been a mess and they'll continue to be a mess. Um, I don't know why you call them a dangerous team like three weeks into the season when we clearly saw that they weren't going to be anything. Hey, you can't predict that is neither here nor there. Biggest takeaway? That Patrick Mahomes is way better than I ever thought he was. <laughs> what, what did it for you this week? So, I mean, granted, I don't watch the Chiefs. I live in Michigan, and I'm a Colts fan. I don't watch Chiefs games. And other than the Super Bowl, I'm not sure I'd ever actually like sat down and watched him play. But I was in Kansas City. And when in Rome, you go out with a bunch of Chiefs fans. And yeah, it's exactly what you do when you, you're in Rome. <laughs> you watch an afternoon football game, and that's all you do. So I'm watching Patrick Mahomes, and I specifically remember standing in line. You as remember I was, this? I specifically rem- remember standing in line. As I- <laughs> Waiting for somebody to hand me a piece of pizza. And I'm watching the game up above me. And he drops back and he's scrambling like crazy. And he chucks up a ball. 
that is clearly headed way downfield into like triple coverage. And I'm just standing there. I'm like, somehow this is going to be a completion. And sure as hell, it was a touchdown. And I just sat there. I was like, who is this guy? Why why did anybody take a flyer on him before the Chiefs? I've never yeah. really fully appreciated the greatness that is Patrick Mahomes until then. Yeah, uh, Mahomes this year, to your point, he is uh, a tenth of a percentage point away from 67%. 2,300 yards, averaging 310 yards a game. He's got 21 touchdowns and one singular interception. So he his greatness continues. He's essentially, he is just short of his 5,050, uh, or did he have 5,000 that year? Or did he have just short? He's at least still almost on pace for 50 touchdowns, regardless of of what you believe. I think it's hilarious because people, um, yeah, five and up with just over 5,050 touchdowns. He's on that pace again, but it's hilarious how people are like, Mahomes isn't even like as good. It's ESPN makes him seem that much better, and it's like, no, <laughs> he's that fucking good. I promise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so. My biggest takeaway is also actually Chiefs related. Um, the Chiefs, as good as Mahomes is um, this year, here's a stat for you. In eight games, they've given up six points in the third quarter. Six points combined in eight games defensively they have given up. Um, they, they're they very good. Um and so, I mean, obviously, I don't know why I had to elaborate on why they're very good, but uh, the defense to boot is huge. Um, they are the clear number one, but I think my biggest takeaway is that we're going to see if we get a Steelers-Kansas City uh, AFC championship game, that's going to essentially be the Super Bowl, unless the Packers make the Super Bowl. Then, obviously, then that's still the Super Bowl. But I, I believe that the legitimate uh, – decision on who the best team in the NFL is going to be is if we get to an AFC championship game that includes Pittsburgh and Kansas city, that that's going to be, that's going to be really the the best team this season. Does Phillip rivers just not play in the AFC anymore? I hate that. What a, ter- <laughs> what a just, uh, Oh man. What? You know, that's a good way to just get me angry in a hurry. Oh shoot. I mean, five and two. For what it's worth, he's completing almost 70% of his passes, 69.7%. I can always tell when I say something that – I can always tell when I say something that pisses you off with how quickly your eyes look down and how I can see your arm just twitch slightly as you pull out your phone to start pulling up stats to argue against whatever I just said. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's – what a – like, oh, man. I didn't know this. And tell me if this is an annoying tangent that I'm about to go on. T.Y. Hilton, for as terrible as he's been, he leads the team with 22 catches and 251 yards. He's got nine more yards than Haskell. Oh, yeah, because Paris Campbell's been hurt and Michael Pittman Jr. was out, I think, three weeks. So we're run-heavy team. RTDB. Yeah, that's it. RTDB, let's go for the shoe. Run the darn ball. Yeah, run that darn ball. This, don't forget, is Lecture Hall presented by Student Union Sports. Go to studentunionsports.com for a bunch of great blogs, other great podcasts. We've got a lot of different people. 
go ahead, get on the locker room app. Like Harrison said, uh, I've been on there a bunch talking with a bunch of people. It is only available if you have an iPhone, iPad, or Mac. They're only through the Apple store right now. Um, but that is being expanded. So go check that out. Uh, it's a great forum for all sports fans to give their takes. Every, every take has a place. I might get that tattooed on me. But that being said, that's, I think that's going to do it for us. Unless you have any other wise words of wisdom. Nope. Just I uh, highly recommend visiting Kansas city. If you ever can. Um, other than that, this has been lecture hall classes dismissed. Deuces. <laughs>